Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We've been doing a study now in the, in the Gospel of John, and we're in chapter 2, uh, going from verses 12 through 25 today about Jesus cleansing the temple. Mm-hmm. And when I asked a question earlier, Tim, about when we're around people, and it seems like they disrespect or just don't seem to have the reverence for God or for what God is doing, uh, how does that affect us? Mm. You know, or does it have a negative effect us. on us? Yeah. You know, and and should it have a negative effect on us? And and you know, and I really think that in this portion of scripture where Jesus now comes and he cleanses the temple, I think there's many reasons why he does that. Mm-hmm. But I think that in my view at least, the main reason is you should not use my father's house as a den of thieves. You know, mm-hmm. you just you know, where's the respect? Where's the honor? Where's the right. the credit due him that mm-hmm. that that uh, we need to do that? And do we have a problem with that today? Maybe in Christianity, is that we become so familiar with God that we kind of lose our respect? Or our, uh, one of my professors in college used to say, "The awe mm-hmm. about who God is yeah. is is that is." Does it seem like that's missing? It's definitely missing, and it's not something new. It's something that we're seeing has gotten exponentially worse. But you really, I mean, it's really been that way over the last 30, 40 years. Yep. Uh, well, actually, I'd say probably even closer to 60 yep. now that, that we've really seen this level of apathy and lack of concern for the things of, of God and not valuing those to the point that it does upset us to the point not not that we should lash out or judge people as a result but it should have an impact on us it should not settle well in us when this stuff happens and it should spur us to action just as it did to jesus and uh but for for many many years now we've seen it on the slope but now it's kind of like the proverbial snowball you know in light of the season we're yep, in yep. you know but when it starts off, it starts off small, but you know what? Over time, it picks up momentum, it picks up speed. And we've really seen that to the point, I think that now it's it's moving so fast, we're more able to see the reality of it, where at first it happened almost subtly. Yep. And if you weren't paying attention, it could it could blindside you. But now it's happening at such a quick rate and such um, with such intensity that now we can't ignore it anymore. You know, I find it interesting because last Sunday uh, for New Year's Day, mm-hmm. I finished my, my Christmas messages with there's no room for him in the inn. Mm-hmm. And I likened it to are we going to make room for Jesus in 2023? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to continue to bar him or to kick him out or mm-hmm. not include him in things of our life? Right. It seems like more and more and more every year that goes by, we we exclude him from more and more mm-hmm. and more. You made mention, you know, the, let's say the last 50 years, 60 years. You know, 60 years ago, I was 10, 12 years old. And I remember in school mm-hmm. still saying the Lord's Prayer. I remember, and this is public school, mm-hmm. and I remember in school being taught the 23rd Psalm, being taught a few other, to memorize a few yep. other scripture verses at the beginning of the day, along with saying the Pledge of Allegiance, along with doing mm-hmm. these things. But that now has totally been eliminated, mm-hmm. and we have eliminated God from so many yeah. things. And that wasn't unique just to your school right. or, or to your specific upbringing. You go all the way back to the founding of our country. The Bible was a textbook in the school. Um, A lot of their curriculum was based around the Word of God. And over time, we have stepped away. We we bought this lie, this deception about the separation of church and state as being something that it was never intended to be. That was that the church, that the state should not interfere with the church, not the other way around. Right. You know, and, but what's happened is we've, 
we're we're allowing the church to, or the state to interfere with the church now. Yeah. Which is what we were not supposed to do. And we're not allowing the other thing to happen where we're allowing the church to have an effect. And I think we've kind of we've gotten used to that. We've gotten numbed to that to the point that we think that that should just be the norm and that should be status quo. And we need to get back to where we were and understand there was probably a reason why our founding fathers did things the way they did back then. Yep. And you know what? We've tried it the other way, and we see where our country's going. It's not going in a positive direction. Let's try going back, yeah. and let's see what happens as a result. Right. That's just my recommendation to those that might be tuning in from the government. Yeah. Know? Well, the thing is, 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 you know, we have eliminated so much that now we are numb mm-hmm. to all the stuff that is going on around us. And I even asked a friend of mine today uh, earlier, um, what would you attribute all of this to? And one of the answers that he gave me, and I agree with him thoroughly, is that the church has not stepped up to the plate. That's right. When things started being eliminated and saying, no, mm-hmm. we cannot do that. Right. We have, in, in, instead, we have kind of succumbed to that. We've kind of st- stood silent. Mm hmm. I remember when Jerry Falwell, many years ago, what this would be back in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. um, had this group called the Silent Majority. And, and that's really what, what we have become, mm-hmm. uh, the Silent Majority. And we're going to see today in this portion of Scripture where Jesus goes into the temple and he raises havoc in the temple mm-hmm. because the temple was not being used for what... It should have been used for mm-hmm. and they were even abusing yep. it, in my view, mm-hmm. um, taking, taking advantage of mm-hmm. the poor, taking advantage of the lowly, taking advantage of those who were visitors who needed to change their currency mm-hmm. for the Jewish current, uh, the Jerusalem currency and all this stuff. And, you know, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. But I'm, I'm seeing even today, that there, that there are some in ministry, for example. And once again, I'm a pastor. I, I've been a pastor for 50-plus years. I love the church. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in every profession, there are those who seem to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And that was a warning that Paul gave us. Mm-hmm. Remember, Paul, Paul would even, I mean, why was he a tent maker? Mm-hmm. The basic reason he was a tent maker was because he did not want to take advantage Mm-hmm. of those around him who would have supplied his needs mm-hmm. but he didn't not he did not want to take advantage of them mm-hmm. and Jesus got very upset when he saw that that people were being taken advantage mm-hmm. of and that the true truth the truth was not going out mm-hmm. and it's not to say there was anything wrong with you know being compensated for the ministry that he did. In fact, you know, he even tells us in Scripture that a man is worthy of his hire. Right, exactly. And I think that was actually Paul that actually gave yep. that, that instruction. And But like you said, his desire was, I want to be above any level of reproach. Right. And so he wasn't necessarily doing this as stating that this is the way everybody should be. But what he was really wanting to drive home is we need to be so careful exactly. that we don't give an impression that we are in this somehow or another to really make a name for ourselves or to get rich off other people, but that the heart of the ministry is God and God alone. And, you know, and, and there's times that people did help meet his needs. We see that throughout, especially oh, his prison letters and whatnot. And, and he thanked them for that. But his, like you said, his default was, I don't want to give any room for people to misinterpret anything here. So if that means I got to make tents, I'll make tents. But yeah. So, mm-hmm. so in other words, is it better for us to err in doing what you think is right or knowing what is mm-hmm. right than to err in taking a chance and knowing that is wrong? Mm-hmm. I had an old fellow, um, Pastor Hansen, who was the pastor of the church before mm-hmm. I came to it. And he used to tell me, he says, Harold, if you have to question what you're doing, you better not do it. That's right. You know, because if you have to question it, then in your mind, you're wondering, is this right Mm -hmm. or not right? And there's a reason you're wondering. And there's a reason (laughs) you're wondering. And you know something? That is something that I have carried with me for Mm -hmm. years and years. That, wait a minute, if I got to stop and think, okay, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? I probably shouldn't. 
mm-hmm. and therefore I won't, you know, yeah. because, you know, that's, that, that's just a, a great mm-hmm. way to, to run your life, I think. Yes. You know, now some people say, yeah, but I got Christian liberty, and I can do this, and I can do that. Well, mm-hmm. Paul does say in Galatians, use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love mm-hmm. serve one another. Yeah. And it's understanding when you start going down some of those paths, it can become a very slippery slope. Yeah. So, like you would imagine with a slippery slope, if you're trying to like scale down a mount that's covered with snow, you're going to make sure your feet are well planted if, if you get on that slope. And, and so you've got to pay very, very close attention. You've got to be very deliberate. And it's the same thing when it comes to this sort of stuff that we're talking about, and that, you know, especially for those that maybe were in some level of ministry, and that tendency is to want to try to maybe really get rich on that. Understand the minute you know you start making money at anything ministry related, not saying that it's wrong, but understanding that that is a slippery slope. Yep. And there's got to be a level of intentionality of knowing that as you step on that slope, that if I'm not careful, my feet are going to go out from under me. Yep. And so you exercise extra precaution to make sure you don't go down that road. That's what Paul did, and that's what every minister should do. Yep. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've also had occasion in, in talk with, with clergy, uh, ministers, um, where they would say to me, um, this is a business. And that scares me. Mm-hmm. When ministry starts being looked at as a business mm-hmm. and not as a ministry, mm-hmm. that really frightens me. Mm-hmm. Because now, oh, this is where I make my livelihood. This is all this. And where mm-hmm. does service come in? Where does honor come in? Where does reverence come in? Where does mm-hmm. uh, glorifying God come in? Because right. if it's a business, mm-hmm. then, you know, mm-hmm. the, main, the main thing is the top dollar. Right, and I really think that we need to be very, very and careful. There's, and there's that slippery slope again. Because right. are there some similarities? Absolutely. You still have overhead. Yeah. You know, you still lots lots churches still have buildings. Yeah. You still have costs that are involved. So from that standpoint, is is there business type involvement? Yeah. Yes, but like you said, the, our perspective can never become that this is a business. Yeah. It's always got to be ministry driven, and and you know that and that's. The, the very fine line, I, even when we developed our church council, you know, we made sure, or some people refer to it as a board, some as a session, depending on yeah. what your denomination is. Um, but I was very deliberate in the way that I structured ours as far as who was on it. Because I made sure half of our people were very faith-driven, yep. and the other half were more what I would call maybe business-driven, to use the yep. term that we're just using. You know, they're, they're more um, practical. Because what's going to happen is both of them are going to err to one extreme or the other, but they both bring up a, a, a strength also to the table. Right. Right. And just learning to pull what what strength does the faith part bring? But yet, you know, you can't just always operate on faith. There are there are bills that need to be paid, so you just still have to consider that too. But but again, which wins out though? When push comes to shove, does business win or does faith win? Yep. And that's what separates the church. Yep. You know, there's a word that <clears throat> keeps coming into my mind as we were talking about this. And in a minute, we're going to open in prayer and then read scripture. <laughs> but, but the word that keeps coming to mind, and maybe we'll be thinking about this as we go over this, is the word stewardship. Mm. What does stewardship mean? Mm-hmm. It means, wait a minute, God has placed me under his authority to take care of his business. Yeah. So how am I going to run it? Am I going to run it for him and to his glory and to his praise? Or am I going to run it to my glory and my praise? Uh, That is where Mm -hmm. I think our definition of stewardship Mm -hmm. really comes in. And that is very much the issue that we see at play in this passage. And that is is, right. Right. So I'm going to open a prayer and then I'm going to have Tim read verses 12 through 25 of John chapter 2. That is where our discussion will be this morning. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you so much. That, Lord God, you have given you, given us your word, Father God, to instruct us. And, Father, may we use it as instruction. So, Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture uh, today, Father, with, with Jesus going into the temple and cleansing the temple and so forth, Lord, help us to, to mm-hmm. have that mindset of wanting to be so Father-centered that um, we can't allow these things to happen. So, Lord, just be with us now. Give Tim and I wisdom. Be with the hearts of those who will be listening and watching, Father. Touch every heart to your glory, to your praise. And we'll thank you in the name of Christ. Amen.
Amen. So starting at verse 12, and it starts off saying, After this, which refers to the wedding at the Canaan Galilee, where he changed the water into wine. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then he, his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Wow, what a, what a, a jam-packed portion of scripture this mm -hmm. is for us. I think the first thing, Tim, that, that maybe we just need to clear up for a lot of people is um, there are those who certainly believe that uh, Mary and Joseph did not have a normal husband-wife relationship, mm. that Mary did not have any other children besides Jesus, yet certainly John is, is putting the kiboshes to that, mm -hmm. to that thought, because yep. it goes and says um, that it says he went with his mother and his brethren. Now, some people would like to interpret that the brethren being his disciples, but no, because it goes and mentions and his disciples. So, right. so you have Mary, you have James, you have Judas, you have Simeon, um, you have Josie. Uh, mm -hmm. I think those are the four brothers that he had, and and then to be his sisters. Uh, mm -hmm. We know he had at least more than one sister because it's plural. That that so Mary and Joseph certainly had a husband-wife relationship mm -hmm. where she had children after the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And that's the key. It was after Jesus. It was after the Scripture tells us right. that Joseph did not know her until, as, after. until afterwards. Right, until after so. Jesus was born. And and that is that is so very um, needed for mm -hmm. us to keep that focus. Yeah. Jesus was entirely born of a virgin. Mm -hmm. Mary did not know Joseph until afterwards. Then they had the normal husband and wife relationship. That yep. is what I think verse 12 is telling us. Mm -hmm. What I find very interesting in, in looking at history, just for a minute, you have his, brother, his mother and his brethren following him for these three years of ministry. Mm. Yet history teaches us that really his brethren did not come to know him until after the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that amazing. I just find that uh, almost overwhelming at times, saying, how can you follow Jesus for three years and not truly believe him for who he is mm -hmm. until his resurrection? Yeah, or even from the standpoint that not only for the three years, but they grew up yeah. in the same household as Jesus. Yeah, for 33 and, years, actually. Right. And, um, but, you know, but my mind goes back to what Jesus had to say when he first opened the scrolls and read that passage out of Isaiah and said that now today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And what and he goes on to talk about how a prophet is not Worthy. is without honor in his own country, in yep. his own home. They knew him as Joseph's son. He's he's that carpenter's kid. Right. You know, he used to hang out with our with our sons and our daughters yep. playing kickball or whatever the whatever their primitive version of that was, right? And so they saw the man, you know, as a boy. And I'm sure that as a boy, though he was without sin, he was boyish. Yep. Well, I you know, no and, 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 and so to, you know, he went through typical teenage, teenager stuff, you know, and 
So you've got in the home, they knew that even more so. He wasn't, he wasn't this untouchable. You know, he wasn't like what we see when we turn on a, a Jesus flick on TV where you can pick Jesus out of the crowd because he just looks so different. Yeah. It wasn't the case for them. He was pretty, he seemed very average. He seemed like everybody else to them. And Scripture tells us that there's nothing about him that would attract you right, to him right. in there's the There's no awe place. about him. Exactly. And so, no halo over his head as he's right. walking So the, the fact that they didn't acknowledge, um, and on one hand is almost mind-boggling, but on the other hand, when you take the entirety of the Scripture and think about, yeah, but they knew him when he was in diapers. You know, they knew him when he was just learning how to walk. Yeah. Hold it, you've got to teach the Son of God how to walk. Yeah. You know, they did, you know, yeah. and so to for them to wrap their heads around this, that this one that they were so familiar with, and I think that that's the key. That's the key. That is the key. They were almost too familiar. Familiarity brings contempt. Mm-hmm. And and you see that and and you know what happened? I mean, you you're living with this guy for thirty years, thirty three years, mm-hmm. and you're watching me, watching you, watching him, and you don't see maybe the differences that a stranger coming up to him would see. Right. You know, like I say, I mean, he did not have the halo on his head. He did not have that awe about him where, you know, nobody wants to get near him because he's, you know, no, mm-hmm. that wasn't him. In fact, I love this about him because in all ways, he was like us. Yes. Yet without sin. And mm-hmm. we got to make sure we keep that. Mm-hmm. Yet without sin. But there's, there's, there's nothing that Jesus did not go through that you and I go through every day. Right. And that's why he took on flesh. That's why he has the incarnation. Or he came down for the incarnation so that he could identify with mankind in all things, mm-hmm. yet without sin. And to me, that is, that is the neat thing. But yes. his brothers were so familiar with him. Mm-hmm. They watched him grow up because he, he, he was the elder of the group. Mm-hmm. So they watched him grow up. He was and of course, you always know you hate being compared to the older brother. Yeah, right? that's And it. if Jesus is your older brother, yeah. you know there was a lot of, why can't you be more like Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, and I have to wonder, did, did Mary ever say that to James? Or mm-hmm. did Mary ever say that to Josie or Simeon or whatever? Well, you know, Jesus wouldn't have done that. You know, kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, and once again, that, that's something we don't know about. Right. right? So anyway, so, so you go and, and you have his mother and his brethren continually following him now as he starts his ministry. This mm-hmm. is the beginning of his ministry. Yep. Ministry started with the turning of water into wine. So this is the beginning of the ministry, and they now starting, they are following him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some of it I'm sure has to do with Mary. I think some of it mm-hmm. has to do with, well, that's my boy. You know, I want to see what he's up to. I want to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and remember now, it also said that when the angel came and spoke to her, it said that she pondered these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. So I think that she has a heart saying, I want to watch and see what he does. Yeah. You know, what is all of this that 30 years ago I was told, and now I'm going to see it mm-hmm. come to fruition over the next three years? Mm-hmm. You know, wow. So she brought along the brethren, mm-hmm. you know, with her. And and so that so you have that she has she had her other kids, and they followed along and they watched and they mm-hmm. saw what was happening. So you have that you have his disciples and they continued there not many days. So it's just a, a short visit that they that they made. Okay. Now one of the things that I find interesting in this whole portion of scripture is Jesus observed the Passovers. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see Jesus going into a town, you see that almost the first place he goes to would be the temple. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to go and spend time yep. there. Why? Because that's where the Father was. Yeah. You know, that's where the Shekinah glory, you know, uh, up, right up until, because you got to remember, it's not until Jesus dies on the cross that you see the veil being rent in two. So even though this is New Testament, in a sense, it's still Old, Old Testament. Testament. Absolutely. You know, so the things that were in place during the Old Testament are still in place now. And so if you wanted atonement for sins, you went to the temple. Yep. You know, this wasn't something where you just could pray and his glory and his Holy Spirit would just be revealed upon you. You wanted to be where he was. You had to go to his temple. And so Jesus wanted to be with the Father. I mean, think about it. He's, he's been in heaven from eternity past until 30 years 
before this yep. moment. And so it would make total sense if you've lived your eternity in the presence of the Father, and then you came to this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be in the presence of exactly. the Father? Exactly. Exactly. You know, you know and, and once again, you know, being still in the Old Testament economy, they were still making the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. They were still sacrificing the lambs and the yep. turtle doves. It says that Joseph and Mary were so poor that all they gave, could give was a couple of turtle doves, mm-hmm. which was acceptable right. in their price range, so to speak, in their economic range. You know, so that was acceptable. But they were still making those. And Jesus still went to observe the Passover. Mm-hmm. Even though you know that he and himself, he knows that he is the Passover, mm-hmm. that he is the, the sacrificial lamb that, that God mm-hmm. the Father has chosen that is going to pay for the sins of the world, but mm-hmm. still he kept up with, mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. And, and he had no sin, so he didn't have a need to go to the temple to offer up sacrifices right. for his sin because he had none. Right. So only it was all because of the Father, just for that relationship. Yep. Yeah, so this is, I think, where we're going to be going in all of this is because do any of us today, and, and I want to be careful in you, whatever words I use, but do any of us, when we get into a crowd of our friends and our peers and, and even fellow believers, and there comes a, a letdown of your hair and you just, you're not quite as reverent towards God as, you know, mm-hmm. we should be or whatever, does that offend us? Does mm-hmm. that bother us? Right. Or have we become so laxed or so familiar with God mm-hmm. that it doesn't bother us anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're in amongst, uh, you know, friends and maybe some believers and, and whatever, and, and they start using the Lord's name in vain, or they start telling jokes that you really, you know, shouldn't be told mm-hmm. and does that offend us mm-hmm. i think sometimes that we we have become so hardened that it doesn't mm-hmm. we don't get offended by it anymore at least not to the extent that we would yeah. we would normally yeah we become very desensitized yeah well it's it. almost like you know where paul goes and says that our consciences have become seared yes they have become calloused over mm-hmm. that's what it means and and we've become so calloused so that when we hear the Lord's name in vain, or when we see things that are not as reverent towards mm-hmm. God that should be, we don't have that 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 setback mm-hmm. that maybe when we were kids we had yeah. because of the from the relationship mm-hmm. that we'd have with God. Yeah, and and a lot of it also comes down to okay, so where, where's our worldview in all of this? Yeah, what is it that we're valuing? What is it that we're really passionate about? And what, what Jesus um, makes known doesn't use this uh, phraseology in this one to its completion, but it does tell us elsewhere that, you know, you have taken my father's house, which is a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. Right. So it wasn't just the fact that you're, you're, you've made my father's house a house of merchandise or a den of thieves. It's the fact that this is what my father's house is meant to be. It's meant to be a place of prayer. It's meant to be a place of communion, a place of communication, a place where you're able to approach the father. But instead of it being about that relationship, instead of it being about wanting to be in his presence and about wanting to live a life that's pleasing to him, what you've done is you've gotten caught up in all the religious acts and you've gotten caught up in trying to make a name for yourself and trying to further yourself that you've lost total sight of what this place and what all this stuff is really all about. It's not about the sacrifices. It's about restoring relationship with the Father. And is that what your drive is? Is that where your heart is? And I think that's what really broke his heart here is because, and and he he reveals that later in the past where he says he knows all men. He knows the heart of man. It wasn't just the fact that they were selling turtle doves and things of this nature. It was the heart through which they were doing this that was yeah. the real issue. And, and, you know, we'll get to it in just a few minutes, but in that same portion of Scripture where he knows the hearts of men, and it says that, and many believed, mm-hmm. but he didn't accept their belief. Right. Why? Because it wasn't, it wasn't on, on the reality of who he is. Mm-hmm. Well, who is it that's in this They were temple? watching a sign and, yeah. and doing it for a sign or a miracle mm-hmm. and not in the person of who Christ is. Well, who is it that's in this temple? It's Jews. It's the 
quote, children of God. Yeah, it's, it's these elite. people that yeah. have been claiming that they have this relationship with God. It, this would be equivalent to the people that want to call themselves Christians today. Yep. You know, but it's in name only. And that's basically what he's saying here is you want to say you've got this level of relationship with the Father and you think you're just born into this. It's not the case. You don't have a real relationship here. Your heart is far from me. Yep. And so you need to get back to what's really important. So he was dealing not with the sinner's necessarily. It was dealing with the people that were wanting to do the religious thing. But that's all it was, was just religion. And they had now taken their own personal desires and they packaged it in religion to try to meet both needs. You know, one of the things that I tell my people at our church and, and, and such, and I've done it for a long, long time, is the devil, in my view, the devil does not mind using religion mm -hmm. to his benefit. Absolutely. Because if we make the people feel religious mm -hmm. and they're doing the thing just out of religious, mm -hmm. then it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's just out of duty. It's out of commitment. It's mm -hmm. out of this. And, and it's not doing it with the heart. It's doing it as an act, mm -hmm. a duty. We preach, let's forget about religion but let's get into relationship, mm -hmm. an intimate relationship. And this is what I see in this whole drama that has been played out in this portion of scripture mm -hmm. is people were doing it for religious reasons and Jesus was talking about relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you must, do not make my father's house a den of thieves. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he was offended. It's my father's house. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're, you're desecrating it. Mm -hmm if you know, use that word, um, because you're doing it for the wrong purposes. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is a key. Yeah. One other thing, too, and a lot of people would like to try to tell us that, you know, this is, only, this is, this is the only time Jesus ever cleansed the temple. It is it's not. not. It was during Holy Week, mm -hmm. or during the week where the sacrifice is going to be made and all that, he does it again. Mm -hmm. So these people... After Jesus drove them out, they probably stayed out for a while, but then they kind of filtered back mm -hmm. in, and Jesus had to go back and do it again yep. in Matthew 21. Mm -hmm. So this is not the only time. Right. You know, so I look at something that, wait a minute, if God talks about it once, it's important. But if he talks about it twice, mm -hmm. it's more important. Mm -hmm. And if yep. he talks about it a third time, woe mm -hmm. unto you. Right? And, yep. and, and I look at that and say, well, how important is it that we do not desecrate mm -hmm. that place, whether it be what we know to be the church today, the building and all that, or desecrate any time that you come in the very presence of who God is. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's in your own prayer life, if it's your own your devotional mm -hmm. life, whatever the case may be. If you know that God is present, mm -hmm. we better be careful not to desecrate it. That's it. And, and it just goes to prove the fact, too, that you know, God, he, Jesus confronts a behavior, but he confronts more than a behavior. He confronts a hard attitude. But what happened is the people didn't receive the rebuke of their hard attitude. What they did is all they saw was, okay, you don't want us to do this. So maybe, like I said, they stopped for a season. But what happened? Because the heart wasn't changed, they reverted back to their behaviors. Yep. Because that hasn't, you know, if you change the heart, the behaviors will follow. You change the behaviors... They'll just come back. They'll just come back, yeah. Every single time. And that's what we see take place here in this passage. Yeah. So now you have in verse 15, and this is, I think, where, where there's maybe some controversy, is in verse 15, when he had made a, a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen poured out the money, uh, the changes money, and overthrew the tables. It does not say here at all that he hit anybody. Right. I just think that he wailed it around and they were getting out of the way and leaving. They were just mm -hmm. kind of fleeing like mice when you turn the light on. You know, that kind of thing. I, I don't think he's, he's going and he's beating up on people and need this. But they saw, wait a minute, he's angry. Mm -hmm. And there is a scripture verse that tells us that we can be angry and sin not. Right. I think today in our culture, we're even afraid to be that. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, don't be angry because, you know, you must be in the sin. No, you can be angry and sin not. Right. And, and I, I see that in a lot of Paul's writings mm -hmm. 
where he goes and, and he says that to him sin became exceeding sinful. Mm-hmm. I hate what I do. You know, those mm-hmm. things that I don't want to do, I do. Those things that I, that I want to do, I don't do. Yep. I hate that about me. Mm-hmm. Right? He became I, I frustrated and angry about it because mm-hmm. I know what I ought to be doing, but I'm not doing it. Right. Right? And, and so we have here that Jesus, Jesus goes and he shows, wait a minute, this is something that's deeply seated in him. Mm-hmm. You are desecrating, you are, you are polluting mm-hmm. this place that we call sacred. Mm-hmm. Because this is where the presence mm-hmm. of God is. That's it. And, and like I said, like it never tells us that he used it against anyone. He may have made the whip very much just to help guide those animals out. Because yep. no, and not that he hit the animals with right. it. But, you know, it would be normal to have to use something right. to help get them out. But, you know, my mind also comes back to another scripture that we read. And it says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that word opposes is actually the word he makes war against. Yep. And so what you are actually seeing played out here is what? You're seeing a proud people that are having to be dealt with. And so there is a level at which you you do see a bit of the wrath. And and I think that's important for us, especially in the days of grace and mercy, um, of knowing that he died for our sins and where the tendency is to want to say, well, you know, yeah, I sinned, but his his mercy covers all, right? Um, To understand that, no, he still takes a a dim view on sin, especially sin of pride. Yep. And that's what was really happening with these people. It wasn't just that they were selling these things in the temple. It's the fact that they knew it was Passover. They knew that people from all over that area mm-hmm. were coming to Jerusalem specifically to offer up the sin sacrifice. So, ooh, chance to make some money here. Yeah, We've got all, we've got all of the Jewish community coming together and if there's ever a time for us to make a killing on financially this is it yep because in that day it wasn't industry it was your crops and it was livestock that would separate the wealthy from the poor right so those that had the livestock understood there's no greater time for us to sell the most amount of livestock whether it's sheep or whether it's turtle doves whatever than now. So now we're not just going to come and capitalize on that. We're also going to boost the price up. Yeah. Supply versus demand yep. was at play. And so they were price gouging as well exactly. amongst all of this. Yep. And so you really, so we need to understand this, all the stuff that was going on within the heart of these people. This was not at all about, oh, we, we feel for you. We want you to be able to make sin sacrifices. No, it's, I want to get rich, and here's my yep. opportunity. Here's my opportunity to take, take advantage of, right. which is, which is uh, something that, you know, frustrates mm-hmm. me terribly. But anyway, take advantage of it. Yeah, I got to tell you a story. When, when my very first church, um, way back in the early 70s, um, was a congregational church, mm-hmm. and... They used to be a part of a denomination, and then they broke away from that denomination. And we had a council meeting, and they said, well, we want to do church bazaars. We want to do these. You know, we've always done these things. And what I did is I took this portion of Scripture, and I challenged the people. I said, I tell you what we do. Let's not do the church bazaars and the buying and selling in the church for Mm -hmm. a year. Let's give it a year and see how things go. They accepted the challenge. I was in that church for three years. We never had one, never had a problem with finances. I know my successors never brought it back. Mm -hmm. And the church did well. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they did not make the the father's house a place of merchandise, mm-hmm. or a place or den of thieves, whatever whatever mm-hmm. term you want to use, and and I still hold to that today. We don't do that in mm-hmm. Athens, you know. We believe that it is God's people who take care of God's house, mm-hmm. and we've done well. Yeah, we've done well. Oh, that doesn't mean we have an excess, mm-hmm. but we've done well. Our bills are paid. Everything's taken care of. God is supplied, mm-hmm. and and you know, and and I. I love these pictures mm-hmm. that, you know, so do we need, do we need to go mm-hmm. by the way of the world yeah. to, to uh, finance God's place, right. God's house? 
I have a hard time with that. That's yeah. just well, you, me. And you just talk to people that are not in the church, yeah. right? Pe- people that are just out in the world. And one of the top arguments that you'll hear as far as why they don't go to church, I would say among the top five, is because all they want is your money. Yep. You know, it's all about money. And and the church is, has really done itself a disservice because that's, and again, it's not saying that some of these things are wrong, but what picture have we painted for the world exactly. through these things? Have, have we given them the impression that we want you to come to our building because you can financially support yep. us and supply for us? You know, and, and we've seen this over and over again through our own church, because usually, you know, not just even in the church, but even when we go out and do things in the community, we specifically do things that we don't have to charge money for. Yeah, you know, one thing we love doing every year is when we have our old home days or whatever, we'll set up on right in the downtown area. And as long as the town allows us, we give away free food. Yep. And we get people that come by and there and there's some people that still we, we found we have to leave a box over at a different table because yep. we want to make sure it's not near us because we don't want to see what's happening. But we've had so many people say we want to give. It's like, well, if you have to, there's a box way over there, but please don't feel you need to because yep. we just want to do this to bless you. And what it's done is it's the number of deer in the headlights looks that we get because it's like, you're not charging for this stuff, yep. you know? And, but what, it, what, what has it done? It has painted a better picture of what God called the church to be, which is the servant of all, yep. you know? And, and when we're seeking to always get from people, what are we painting to the world? Exactly, and, and, I, God? and I think that this is a, the perfect picture of that. Mm-hmm. Now we find in verse 17, Tim, is that John quotes um, Psalm 69. Mm-hmm. In the quoting of Psalm 69, it says, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Mm-hmm. I look at that, and, and, and I'm saying, wait a minute. Do we have that kind of zeal today? Mm. Do we have that kind of that, that, that urgency? And that's what I, I, I use the word zeal. I, I use the mm-hmm. word urgency. Do we sense that urgency towards mm-hmm. God's house? Do we... You know, not that not that the church is anything. You know, the church building per se is you know anything other than a regular building. But it's still that place that represents mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. and therefore it is set aside. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and they couldn't. The disciples could not help but think of, wow, the zeal of God's house. Mm-hmm. made him this way. I mean, he right. had loved it so much, and he longed for it to stay holy mm-hmm. that he did something that was mm-hmm. probably not out of, uh, that was out of character to him. Right. And again, it's what was the driving force? It wasn't, I don't like what you're doing to the church. Right. It's not, I don't like what you're doing to this building. It's, you've taken what it was meant for, and you've made it into something else. Yeah. You know, it, it's he understood what that house was for, and he didn't want anything to pollute that. That was what drove him. It wasn't that he wanted his way or that he just, something went against his preference style. It's, this is not what this building is here for. This is not what, why God instituted it. And so get back to what's important. So, once again, I, I, you know, we, we touched on this briefly at the beginning. I think one of the keys is that another rendition goes, you have made my father's house into a den of thieves. And the key to me is my father's house. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, this is where my father is. I come to meet with my father. Mm-hmm. You know, not that he couldn't meet with him in the desert, because we know that he spent many hours mm-hmm. in the desert. We know that he spent many hours up in the mountains all yeah. by himself, meeting with the father. Mm-hmm. But you still have that picture. This is my father's house. Mm-hmm. And you, you are doing something against my father. And to me, that, that holds a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just you made God's house a den of thieves, mm-hmm. or you've made, you no, know, this is my father. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, certainly when I was a boy, when I was a boy, and, and this tells you a little bit about me, but when I was a boy, my dad, my dad went from a plumbing business, then he went into the newspaper business and all that, and, and kids used to make fun of my father because he, he would go around taking pictures, you know, of accidents and all kinds of, and so my dad from a lot of the town's kids get the nickname Freddy Flashbulb. 
Mm. Okay? And that would bother me. And I got into a many uh, fights over that just because, wait a minute, you're talking about my father. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're making fun of my father. Mm-hmm. And that really irked me. You know, it didn't work my father. He could care mm-hmm. less. But it really bothered me. Well, now I picture this with Jesus. Wait a minute. Yeah. He goes into this place to meet with his father to do the Passover, to do, you know, the sacrifices that were traditionally done. Mm-hmm. Not that he had to do them for himself because he didn't, but he did them because that is what is the accepted. Mm-hmm. And this is my father's house. This is not just a mm-hmm. mere another building someplace. Mm-hmm. This is my father's house. You don't do that in my father's house. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that, that, you know, we do the very same thing. We just, wait a minute. When I hear Jesus' name being cursed or when mm-hmm. I hear being made, you know, taken light of, mm-hmm. it does something inside of me saying, oh, I don't like that. You know, and either I've got to leave or I've got to, Try not to pay attention to that because it really bothers me mm-hmm. sometimes. And I look at this and say, it should bother me, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should. It should. It'd be like them saying something about my wife or something about my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would bother me. Well, now you're saying something about my God. Mm-hmm. And that ought to set a fire underneath us. But I'm afraid today in a lot of Christian circles, it doesn't. Mm. And that that bothers me that it, that mm-hmm. it doesn't set a fire on us and say, wait a minute, this is going to change. Yeah, and again, I think it comes back to what we said at the very beginning because we've gotten, I think, as the church, we've gotten so familiar with God that it, you know, the things that used to upset us don't so much anymore. Where the absolute reverse should be taking place, like you said, it happened with Paul. The closer, the, the longer he walked with God, the closer he got to him. Now, all of a sudden, the more things bothered him. Yeah. He, yes, he had grace for those that needed the grace. But when it came to tolerance of the sins, not the sinner, right. but tolerance of the sin, that became shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter, as it should be for us yep. as, as believers. Again, not that we hold that against individuals, but the sin should really disturb us, yeah. almost to the point of nausea, if, yeah. if we could even use that phrase. Yeah. Now, in your verse 17, I don't know what translation you're using mm-hmm. today. In your verse 17, does it say the zeal of thine house has eaten me up? Or yes. is it another word? It uses the word zeal. Yep. Okay. So to look at the word zeal just for a minute, that seems like there's a, a hotter flame, yep. the way I look at it, a much hotter flame mm-hmm. because of, of going into the temple and worshiping. And mm-hmm. now he's seeing that they're not there to worship. They're there to, mm-hmm. to gouge people. Yeah. And that really, really bothered yeah. him. And it deals with a concept of zeal is more than passion. It's passion that drives you to action. Yeah. You know, think about the zealots yep. in the times of Christ, right? They were a very um, almost military style group of uh, Jews because their passion about the Messiah and what it is that God, what they felt God wanted to bring, wasn't just something that stayed inside. It's something that caused them to have to go outside of themselves and actually act it out. And I take it we're getting the signal. <laughs> this, is, this is this is crazy. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it's really crazy. We're, we're going to have to probably take this one. We're going to take week. we're going to take this up again <laughs> next week. But I do want maybe we can end with verse 18, because I find it interesting that the Jews asked him a question. And the question is, what sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Miracles and signs were always done with a purpose in mind. Mm -hmm. They were always done to show us something. There was a purpose Mm -hmm. for it. If we look for signs and wonders and not want to see God's purpose in it, Mm -hmm. then what we're doing is we're looking for something that really shouldn't would not have an effect on us. Mm-hmm. Signs and wonders were always done to teach us something. Mm-hmm. And even today, it's, it's the very same for us today. And the Jews saw that in verse 18. What sign? What miracle? What, what is the purpose of you cleansing this place? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we need to learn this. 
Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that it says, and the Jews. It wasn't his disciples. It wasn't his brethren. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Mary even. But it was the Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why would you do this? What are you trying to teach us? Mm-hmm. Which, to me, is a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, is a great question. What are you trying to teach us? And, of course, we know now, starting 19 down, and we'll do it next week, is he goes and says, because there's going to be a day. Mm-hmm. You're going to destroy this. Yeah. And in three days, I'm going to raise up. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll get into that next week. Exactly. But uh, I tell you what, there's so much meat in this little section of Scripture mm-hmm. that we'll have to pick up verse 18, 19 next week and, and finish the chapter and, and maybe get into chapter 3, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We do have an evening service. That is at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. We have Bible studies during the week. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you're in the air, please stop in, say hi, and and uh, worship with us. We'd just love to see you. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the Charlestown area, Life on Main meets at the Charlestown Senior Center at 223 Old Springfield Road. We have coffee at 10 o'clock, service at 11 every Sunday. Love to have you come worship with us as well. Um, we also have coming up, starting in just a couple of weeks, uh, on January 20th, which is going to be Friday nights at 7 o'clock. Starting January 20th, going right through Good Friday, we are going to be showing uh, the newly acclaimed series called The Chosen, Mm -hmm. which has taken the internet by storm. Uh, We've gotten permission from the producers to be able to do this, so we're going to be showing it on the big screen. Two episodes every Friday night. Uh, Space is limited, so tickets are needed, but the tickets are free. Uh, You just have to go to eventbrite.com, look up Charlestown, New Hampshire, and you'll see The Chosen listed right there. Just um, specify how many tickets you want. We're trying to limit it to about 80 to 100 people so that we, you know, don't have too many people in the building all at once, especially given sicknesses and stuff yep, like that. Yep. So um, do reserve your tickets in advance. Um, and you have to do that for each uh, each week. Um, but again, thank you so much for tuning in to this program. Let people know about it. Let them know that they can find it on the community TV stations along the Connecticut River Valley in the s- southern section of New Hampshire and Vermont. And also you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries on YouTube on Truth Social, and also on Rumble. And you can also find just the audio version on most popular podcast providers. And we want to thank certainly Fact TV for mm-hmm. um, doing the production and, and helping us with this. And, and they've been a great help to us, and we certainly appreciate their expertise in doing this for us. So next week, we'll pick up where we left off here in John chapter 2. <laughs>